We have a reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. The fulfillment of the law. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. That's loud, yeah. Yeah, uh, I can hear myself, so I'm pretty sure you could hear myself as well. Yeah. Uh, As Mike Mike said that we... Let me introduce myself before I forget. He has introduced myself, but yeah. This is Ritesh, uh, one of the curates, worshipping with this, you know, wonderful family again. And such a pleasure to be with you this morning as well. And as Mike mentioned, we're going to be continuing to look from our current series of Matthew, book of Matthew that we're starting, in the last few weeks we've been trying to see through different different passages and their applications in our lives today. I always touch something, don't I? So, yeah. And here, this morning, the passage that we read tells us about Jesus actually telling us about law and its fulfillment. Now, I'm not a law expert, and you know we're not going to discuss about law but it's the jewish laws and commandments that were given by the god himself through prophets through different different in different different generations uh, various prophets you know had this word from god and they you know delivered this message to god's people and this is where jesus is referring to this crowd especially to religious leaders and the crowd around him because there was a confusion going on obviously there is some sort of happiness is going on around as well and Jesus is trying to clarify himself what he has come for he's saying I have come in verse 17 I have come so that these laws may fulfill not I have come to don't think that I have come to abolish this law now God let's go back to Old Testament where God gave these laws and certain commandments and instructions to his people so that people may follow them. What God was saying to them, you follow them, you will come to know more about me, my character, my, you know, holiness, my plans and, you know, what I have kept for you. So not only you will follow them, by doing so, you will be able to stay away from sin and darkness and you will have more authority over this dominion of darkness. And once we have this understanding, I will kind of, you know, pass on my blessings to you so that you can be blessing to others as well. Basically, what God was saying, let's have a relational bridge between us. And once you follow we will have stronger in our relations as a father and children and we will have a kind of common understanding but because 
that gap was getting widened and widened. Jesus came down and Jesus here in this particular three, four verse is telling us that, yes, I had to come down to narrow that gap. I, can, I, I, I have come down so that these laws and these prophecies and these commandments which you are trying to obey and follow, they may come true and they, 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 may, they may come true actually. Because these old prophecies and law, probably about 320 plus prophecies in old time, they all actually pointing to me. If you see in deeper, if you read in deeper, they all pointing to me and being the designer of this law or being the manufacturer of this law, I cannot break them at all. And by saying this, he was, he was showing his authority, saying, you have heard this, but now I tell you this. Which means, especially the religious leaders, they were confused and sort of more jealous, I would say. Why? Because Jesus was having more attention, more authority, which was like, you know, affecting their image in, in particular. So they were trying to trap Jesus here. He's saying, look, you're saying you are the son of God. And if you're saying who you are, then you should know the law and you're healing on Sabbath, which you shouldn't be doing. But they were missing out the bigger picture. And this is what Jesus is referring to, that you are missing a bigger picture here. I have come to start a new radical way of a new age living where not just these laws, because of this law, the people of Israel will be blessed. But because of what I am starting this new way of living, the rest of the world will be also blessed. And do not think that I have come to break this law in any way. On the other hand, people were so happy as well because they were getting, you know, healing and restoration. And they were thinking, oh, this is so good. Like the captives been free and we're getting our freedom back and stuff. But as religious leader, they just keep going, keep going back to the same point. And Jesus referring in verse 17 that do not think that I have come to abolish the law. And I myself put a heavy, you know, importance or significance to follow this law, which he backs up in verse 18 and 19. He says, not a single letter will be removed from this law until it is accomplished. So I myself is following. And again, going back to their argument, Jesus' counter argument that who of you convict me of any sin and at that point it was like in the whole this episode there is no single person no single jewish leader or religious leader i should say came forward and challenged jesus that yes you've done this or yes you've done this because they all knew how perfect how spotless how holy and how righteous Jesus was living. His life was perfect as per the law, what God had given them instructions for. So basically, Jesus was following the law and his life was fully righteous. And this is where they also get this counterattack back from Jesus. And they were like, oh, what should we say now? And Jesus was telling them, your outward leaving doesn't mean anything to God. This is all outward. This is all external. What you're missing there 
is something I'm telling you now, what you're missing. And uh, to my surprise, Jesus goes, you know, further heavier in verse 20. He says to all Christians, to us, basically, to his followers, that your righteousness must surpass righteousness of Pharisees. Now, Pharisees, you know, telling them on their face was something, you know, asked for a courage. And Jesus had this courage. And I could imagine what would be the faces like for these Pharisees. Like, you know, oh, this guy is telling us, that, you know, the righteousness and laws that we're not doing anything right in his opinion. What, what, is, he, what is he thinking he's doing? And he, he thinks that we're missing. Jesus was telling them that this radical shift of new age living the thing that you're missing is the heart righteousness. What you're doing is outward, outward, external, and sort of to pretend and to show off. But I'm here to tell you, until you do anything from your heart, it's not going to make any sense. It's not going to make you know, God happy at all that, yes, these guys are doing, and these guys are obedient to my law, and these guys are kind of following me truly. And what Jesus means that by, you know, heart sort of righteousness is, is uh, one of these classic examples uh, in the uh, in, uh, book of Samuel. If we go back to Old Testament where, uh, you know, Prophet Samuel one day chilling out and God's message. He, he was a very well-known sort of, you know, recognized prophet in his time. Uh, people were kind of listening that yes, he's the messenger of God and he was getting messages from God. And one day he was chilling out and God's message came to him and say, go to Bethlehem, Jesse's house, and anoint one of his sons as a king of Israel. And Samuel goes, really? You know what you're saying? I'm working for you, boss. And why you want to kill me? If King Saul will come to know this, he will definitely go bonkers and will kill me. But God says, don't worry about that part. Go and do what I'm saying you to do. And off we go. Samuel goes to Jesse's house and say, bring your boys. Uh, God's message has come and I want to anoint one of your boys as a king of Israel. And Jesse represents all his like seven boys who were present there. And Samuel was quite impressed. Yeah? Oh, this guy's tall. This guy's handsome. This guy's six-pack. This guy's 12-packs. And this guy's like, you know, military figure and whatever. Oh, this must be the one. This must be the one. But God keeps shaking it as no, no, no. Is anyone left? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's one teenage boy must be, you know, in his field, you know, looking after my sheep. Can you call him? Okay. And off we go, David comes, and God says, that's him. His heart is aligned with my heart. He's the man after my own heart. None of this matters to me. What you look from outward doesn't matter. I look inside. And Samuel goes to, you know, David and says, mate, I've got nothing to do, but it's the boss who says, if I'm, I won't approve you, but he says, off we go, you're the king of Israel. And that's what he writes in his first book, 
that the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is what Jesus was referring with, you know, this episode where he's talking to Pharisees and, you know, religious leaders and scribes and it's like, you're missing the heart righteousness. What you're doing is not sufficient. God is asking far more radical and deeper obedience than what you're doing. You're missing the big picture. I have come so that God's covenant will become the reality for the rest of the world, not just for the people of Israel. And you're missing that picture out. If you're seeing that I'm healing on Sabbath, but you're not seeing that person was captive for this many years, or that person was like, you know, bounded by devil for this many years. And, you know, you're just kind of thinking one way and looking at one angle. But this is a new age living that I'm going to start with now. Because, as I said earlier, that he... He was saying with an authority that you have heard this, but I'm not telling you this to do. And again, sort of this new age living, which I'm referring to, it was spoken by prophets in Old Testament as well for the new Messianic age. If we go back to this verse of the clip, yes. This is Jeremiah. He says, I will put my, this is law telling Jeremiah that I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Yeah. Second thing, how he will do it? He will do it by this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is prophet Ezekiel. God will create a new spirit, a new heart. So basically, if we see the righteousness, the spirit, the heart, and law, this goes parallel. These go parallel, actually. Unless you have the spirit of the law, unless you have the heart for the law, you won't be able to get that righteousness of what these religious leaders was trying to pursue. And Jesus was saying, you know, what you're doing is nothing to God. You need to have this heart righteousness to please God. And unless you will do it, that's, that's not going to make any sense to him. And not long ago, but uh, during COVID lockdown, I remember, uh, I work in the shipping industry. So uh, we all know that we all were locked down and we were working from home. And, you know, <laughs> you need some sort of help and you kind of, ring the people for about 10 times, 15 times uh, during the day, and no one answers the phone. And just in the evening, you see a couple of emails pretending, oh, I'm working. I'd seen that. Um, well, it must be their interpretation of working. But what I'm linking is like, Jesus was telling these religious leaders, don't pretend. Don't pretend. Show your heart, show your commitment, show your inwardness to Lord. And that's what it will matter. Otherwise, what you've been doing. And religious leaders were like, oh man, for the whole of our life, our passion to follow this law. And we've been trying to do it at our best of abilities. And this guy comes and says, no, you're doing it the wrong way. But Jesus was saying, yes, you are doing it the wrong way. 
I'm not breaking anything because, as I said, I'm the one who has designed these laws and given to you. So I should be following it at, at, at the very best or like very first. So your heart is something matters. Then only the righteous living comes forward. Now, again, sort of, you know, we can continue, you know, meditating on that. But that leaves us definitely with, you know, some questions in our lives today. Obviously, this was like, you know, Old Testament time and, you know, Jewish laws and, you know, Jesus is trying to tackle a situation in his time. How does it apply in our lives today as a Christian living or Christian? And Jesus, not just telling the religious leader in his time, but telling each one of us, me, you, and every single follower of his or, or his children, because it was God's idea, God's covenant to bless each and everyone. And Jesus wants us to be a blessing or channel of blessing for the others as well. So by doing so, or by believing in him, what he says about this heart, which matters to God, because God looks into heart and he says, what's going on in our heart, that's what matters, not we do outwardly. Like, as I just mentioned about an example, like, you know, outward appearance is nothing, mean nothing to God. It's just like, you know, waste of time for, for, for him. I mean, if we have this alignment of heart with God, then God is ready to embrace us. But as I said, like, you know, this leaves us in, you know, some questions, some questions like, you know, how we can apply in our lives today. I mean, eat, don't get me wrong, but each and everyone's life is different and we know our situation. But what matters is Jesus because Jesus is saying, look, you, th I mean, to religious leaders, but if we want to link up here, you think that I'm breaking the law? No, I'm the one who is holding the keys of the law. I'm the one who is holding the keys of salvation. I'm the one who is, who is, who is going to let you into the kingdom of God. And this is what he heavily tells them on their face in verse 20, that if anyone wants to enter the kingdom of God, their righteousness must surpass the righteousness of Pharisees. So basically, Pharisees or scribes, you know, what they were doing is nothing. But here, I'm telling you something to, to, to live in a radical way, to live in a new way, new age living, messianic age, which, you know, Prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel was saying, with the truth and spirit and heart, so that you will be able to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, again, as I said, like, you know, with this, this age living, we know that's like, you know, so many different, different situations and, you know, circumstances that we all go through. But that leaves us desperately in that direction to think about these four questions. Do I go? No. Oh, very good. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, these four questions. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. It's nothing that, you know, I wish I could help you out apart from praying. But it's Jesus himself leaves us with these questions to ponder on. And he says, you ask yourself, do I believe in outward or inward living? How does this affect my life and the lives around me? How does this align with what Jesus is telling her? And do I need to change anything here or anywhere, any, anything? Well, 
as I said, I wish I could help you out with anything, but it's Jesus, the author of our faith and finisher of our faith is, is you know, leaving, leaving us with these questions. And I'm pretty sure if we don't know the answers for these questions either, he knows the answer. We can ask him always. He's ready with his open arm 24-7 saying, come, my children. Come, my child. I'm, I'm ready, you know, for any of your questions, any of your confusion, any of your, you know, thinking uh, you, you don't have clue about. And I will be the one who will let you to enter the kingdom of God. You know, this righteous living and laws and stuff which we just discussed is, unless you come to me, means nothing. And once you come to me, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And I will never let us down. As, uh, I will never let you down either. Trust on me. Believe in me. Because... Once I say yes and you say yes, that's where the strong relationship starts. And that's what the God's original idea was. A stronger relational bridge, which is still Jesus asking for all of us. And like, as I said, like, you know, these questions are heavy. Maybe it's a heavy question, but it's Jesus is telling us and asking us. So I don't know. It's just a moment for everyone to think like, you know, is it something, you know, I need to maneuver somewhere in my life or what does my life says? Or sort of, you know, is it aligned with Jesus' teaching today? Or how can I be, I, 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 can, I can be a help or a channel of blessing for anyone? May God bless us all to understand his word and his principles and him more and more. Amen.